When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to Marvel Standom, your window into the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Mike Cicchini, I'm your host, and I'm joined today by Denna Geek News and Features Editor Kirsten Howard, and Denna Geek TV Editors Alec Bajalid and Katie Burt. We're here this week talking about Loki Episode 3, which is another big one. Kirsten, why don't you tell us how that went? In Marvel's Loki Episode 3, Loki follows Sylvie into an apocalyptic hiding place where they ultimately find themselves trapped with no way out. I think the key element here is Sylvie. Sylvie was the big reveal at the end of episode two. And we learn a lot more about her this week. Some people maybe felt like there wasn't enough plot development in this episode, but personally it was worth it just to like kind of take a step back um, and see just these real, these two characters um, spend a lot of time together so we can learn a little bit about Sylvie. It still feels like she's very much a mystery as is pointed out by Loki in their conversations. But um, yeah, for me, this was the best episode yet. Yeah, even though this was a shorter episode, it, it was great to pace out the action of Loki and Sylvie getting stuck together with some really good one-on-one -on -one character stuff. Um, as Katie said, Sylvie definitely seems to be holding some big stuff back. But Loki was pretty open with her considering. I mean, we never really know what the long game is with Loki, but he did appear to be quite disarmed by her. Last week, we had a whole contest over who could guess whether it was Lady Loki or Sylvie. And based on this week, it seems like the answer is kind of both. Um, Which I would the, like to say, I believe I said. That is true. <laughs> the indecisive one. Uh, and I, I, I think that was kind of an interesting approach um, because you can't really just have Loki call a fellow character Lady Loki for four episodes. It seems like the way they decided to go about this is just take the character and just give her another name, which makes perfect sense in hindsight. I don't know any of us except for Katie to not see this coming. The, the nice thing about this, too, is like it's clear that she is very much a variant Loki. She is exactly what Mobius said she was in the first place. But there, there's a story to be told there that we're not quite getting. There obviously is some similarity between their upbringings. You know, uh, it was revealed uh, via merchandise, I believe. You know, her last name is, is Laufey Daughter, you know, as opposed to uh, Loki Laufey Son. But somewhere along the line, she changed her name, decided she didn't want to be known as a Loki anymore. And now we have Sylvie. And she's got enchantress powers in addition to everything else. So... This is an interesting mashup of, of a couple of concepts from Loki and Thor comics. So they talk about their, yeah, their different like childhoods. What does that mean in terms of, are they the same person? Does that mean they're from like different timelines, different multiverses and that's why? Because I, I was really confused about that. I don't know if any of you had any more clarity that you could give to me. <laughs> 
I mean, like, I'm willing to accept in terms of the timeline, you know, science behind the show that she, she, she may have stepped off the timeline as a variant when she was younger. But the interesting detail is that she said that, you know, that Frigga and Odin told her she was adopted pretty much up front, which never happened to Loki um, in the sacred timeline, so to speak. So that kind of introduces a few new questions about the timeline itself. I think on a practical perspective, um, what we've come to find out is that there's just, there's no way that the timekeepers can maintain just the one sacred timeline. Especially if their only line of defense is an elevator. That's, that's true. <laughs> a golden elevator. So yeah, there's just, there's gotta be, maybe they don't call them timelines. Maybe most separate universes don't uh, factor into timeline rules, but there, since there are multiple Loki variants, there have to be multiple multiverses for those Loki variants to come from. So I think maybe Miss Minutes is leaving some crucial information out or perhaps uh, multiverse rules operate slightly differently than multi-timeline rules. I don't know, but yeah, Loki, Sylvie is a separate Loki from essentially a separate reality. One of the things that struck me about Sofia DiMartino's performance is that she's not doing a Tom Hiddleston impersonation here. And Sylvie's also like a lot more physical than Loki. Like she relies less on weapons and less on her overall magic when you're really getting into the thick of, of you know, fighting people. One small detail that I really enjoy is that her, her tiara or, or diadem is missing one horn. Um, I just like the idea that she lives such an active lifestyle in all these timelines. She's not even had the chance to get that fixed yet. And she uses it as a weapon at some point. She just takes it off her head and just wails some guy with it. Um, so I like that. And I like her as the character. I think maybe it's a byproduct of Tom Hiddleston being so charming, but I have yet to see a character pairing on this show that hasn't been compelling. Range is maybe the wrong, maybe the wrong word, but she is really trying not to reveal too much to Loki. But in within that, I think she... Yeah, I'm already interested in this character and I have questions and I think that's, you know, a, means it's a good performance. You know what I'm wondering now, and I don't think any of us have an answer for this, but like, it seems as though her character has a deep reservoir of pain because she's been traveling these multiverses for so long and is alone and kind of intense. And I'm just wondering where that comes from. Because yeah. when she's talking to Loki, it seems like her upbringing was far happier and more secure than his. Um, I don't suspect we have an answer right now, or maybe we won't get one, but I'm just curious as to whether where that pain is coming from. And of course, it's a conversation between Sylvie and Loki that yields one of the bigger revelations about one of the most important characters in the MCU. Your prince must have been would-be princesses, or perhaps another prince. A bit of both. I suspect the same as you. Yeah, Loki being bisexual is now, is now canon in the MCU thanks to this episode. Um, this is a character who has become so beloved by the fans that Marvel has actively tried to kill him off twice and failed. Um, I appreciate some saying it's a small step to make Loki bisexual, but and I understand where they're coming from, but by MCU standards, this is huge. Um, this is no Joe Russo cameo. And there is precedent for this from the comics as well, because back in uh, Young Avengers, when Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey were doing that book, there was like 
a passing conversation between Loki and another member of the team where he kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, as guardians don't really have a traditional concept of sexual identity. He said there's only sexual acts, you know, so to Loki, it's pretty much all good. Uh, so this seems like a pretty big deal to get this out in the opening, the MCU as well. We had a pretty big reveal about the TVA this episode too. Around episode's end, Sylvie mentions that um, the the employees at the TVA are not created by the timekeepers like Loki was told, but are in fact actual real life human beings that are variants from separate timelines. Um, and the fact that they don't even know that they are variants is fairly disturbing. Um, I think we all sense that there was something odd or maybe even nefarious going on with the TVA. There are some interesting things at play there that I didn't necessarily think were at play from the get-go in this show. Because you think, uh, you know, concepts like timekeepers, concepts like a bureaucratic organization to keep track of time are interesting and off the wall enough to exist on their own two feet but it seems like they've, they've added an extra layer of intrigue in that the TVA uh, might be compromised in some way and the people there might be victims. I thought it was kind of interesting. I don't want to go full WandaVision hype train here, but the TVA reveal this early on in the series is genuinely making me wonder whether we'll see some, like some Kang or Doctor Doom action by the time this thing wraps up. I mean, Renslayer was heavily connected to Kang in the comics, and he has already been cast. Um, I feel like we could be in for some big stuff here. I mean, what I'm saying is I'm ready to be her again. I do kind of like the fact that this is another tie back to the Mobius of the comics. And I feel like every episode, I keep bringing up Mark Grunewald's name and the fact that they base this character on this Marvel writer. But in the comics, there isn't one Mobius. There are many, many, many Mobiuses because the TVA in Marvel Comics, what they do is they clone their best employees. So it's like managerial cloning. So, you know, somebody that's kind of top tier like Mobius, there's lots of him running around because he's really good at his job. Whereas some of the, like the more, you know, uh, like infantry style Minutemen and TVA officers uh, some of them are freelancers, you know, some of them are like, you know, so that might explain some of the folks that we see here. So it could be very possible that Mobius is telling the truth because that is the truth as he knows it. Whereas some of these other Minutemen are possibly conscripted into service without their knowledge or understanding. That was my immediate next question was at what level do people within the TVA know this? Um, and it's unclear at this point. I I believe that Mobius doesn't know this, but maybe Owen Wilson is just, you know, tricking me. Um, I do think, you know, a lot of people made uh, Snowpiercer references uh, after watching this episode because we have this this dystopia, dystopian train um, that is Civilization's Last Hope. But it also just made me think about, you know, I'm not going to give any explicit Snowpiercer spoilers, but when people get to the front of the train in that in that movie, what they find is very different from maybe what you might expect. 
yeah, that's just how I see like whatever's at the top of those those golden elevators right now. One thing about this episode is that it's not super heavy on traditional MCU Easter eggs, but there's still a lot of really cool stuff there. I mean, the, the setting of Lamentis One, that is a location from the comics. Uh, it really is a moon of a planet called Lamentis, which as far as I know, only appeared in one issue of Marvel Comics, which was uh, the prologue to an event called Annihilation Conquest, which is where like the Guardians of the Galaxy, as we know them today, were first introduced. But it's kind of funny, you know, going back to the big reveal about, about Loki's sexuality, you know, everybody's talking about how this episode is bathed in bisexual lighting. And that is definitely not an accident. But if you look at that one comic, Lamentis is kind of bathed in purple and green light, uh, like on the page. And I feel like that part is coincidental, whereas that was really like a very different and specific choice that was made for the episode. You know, we talk a little bit about what sets like Marvel TV apart um, and obviously budget and this kind of um, ability to bring um, a setting like this to life is definitely one of them. I also was just happy to see a proper apocalypse this episode because I think last episode they played a little fast and loose with the term apocalypse. Um, you know, like people made it out of Pompeii and like that, that hurricane looked bad, but this was a proper apocalypse. So Bad news for Loki and Sylvie that this is the apocalypse that they happen to find themselves stuck in. Another Easter egg in the episode is that the two soldiers at the entrance to the train are called Corporal Hicks and Private Hudson, which is a kind of a neat nod to Michael Bean and Bill Paxton's characters in Aliens. I also just personally... I, the, the color scheme of those uniforms and those full face masks, they just make me think of Cobra Commander from the 1980s G.I. Joe cartoon. Uh, but that might just be because I have G.I. Joe on the brain with the uh, with the Snake Eyes movie on the way in, in July. I don't always get a lot of the comics-based Easter eggs, so it was really nice uh, for MCU lovers like myself to get a reference to the Thor movies um, in the scene where Loki is relaxing, <laughs> um, getting drunk, getting full on the train. We see him throw down his his uh, cocktail glass and, and yell another, which is something we see um, Thor and other characters in Asgard doing. This drink, I like it. I know, it's great, right? Another! I've always been kind of curious about these little hints of Asgardian culture that we got like particularly in the first Thor movie where, you know, there's another, there's his relationship with the Warriors three always seemed like kind of like really, really playful and almost childlike for, for adults. Like I would love for somebody to put out like a book of Asgardian etiquette and table manners or something like the same way you could buy a book to teach yourself Klingon. I think it's time that we get something like that for Asgard in the MCU. I kind of wonder if that already exists. <laughs> it doesn't. It should. Mike's like, I know. I've trolled the internet for all <laughs> accompanying merch. <laughs> and that's it for this week's episode of Marvel Standom. Thanks for watching. We'll be back next week for Loki episode four and everything else the MCU has to offer. Let us know what you think in the comments and we'll see you soon. Thanks for watching Denim Geek Presents Marvel Standom. 
We'll be back every week with new episodes breaking down all the hottest developments in the MCU. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Den of Geek US. Turn on notifications and you'll be the first to know when our next episode releases. Watch along with us on Twitch at Den of Geek TV. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Den of Geek. Want breaking Marvel news as it happens? Be sure to follow at Marvel Standom on Twitter. We want to hear from you. Got a burning MCU or comics question you need answered? Drop us a line at marvelstandom at denofgeek.com and we'll answer your questions on future episodes. <laughs>